Hello and welcome to the Vetfolio podcast series, Your Dream Job in Vet Med. Enjoy the journey with our expert facilitator, Mr. Stith Kaiser. We'd like to thank Hills Pet Nutrition for underwriting this four-part series, which includes job search, expectations, landing the right job, ingredients of a great resume, and prepare for your interview. Stith Kaiser is the founder and manager of My Veterinary Career at AHA. His industry experience includes facilitating career development workshops and speaking at national and state veterinary conferences. For other career development resources, please visit vetfolio.com slash recentgrads. Welcome to our first installment of Your Dream Job in Vet Med, Enjoy the Journey. Today, we'll be talking about the importance of setting realistic job search expectations. I had a phone call just last week with a veterinarian down in Georgia. She graduated this past May of 2015 and was calling because she had some concerns regarding her current job. I let her visit for a little while and express those to me. And about three-quarters of the way through what I think was her list, I cut her off and I said, I hear what you're saying. I understand where you're coming from. But I can tell you that as a new graduate, you will experience 90% of those problems in any practice. That kind of took her back because I think she was hoping for some sort of magic bullet. But the reality of it is part of our happiness in not only life but in our career as well is setting realistic expectations. In medicine, we know how important that is because the first job is going to be one of the most influential on us throughout our whole career. And finding that right job helps us avoid turnover, which is good for both us and the practice owner, and it helps us make sure that we're going to be as productive as possible in that new position. Part of finding the right job means knowing what opportunities are out there. One of the amazing things about veterinary medicine is that we can do so much with the DVM. A roughly two-thirds of recent graduates go into companion animal medicine, and while there's nothing wrong with that at all, I feel like from being in the schools a fair bit, a lot of times students aren't aware of all the different opportunities that are out there. Having realistic job search expectations really starts with knowing what is available to us. Part of that begins understanding the employment market. Before we make a decision as to where we want to end up, what avenue we want to pursue, it's important to know what the market looks like. Over the last couple years being in schools, I've run into students who, in their mind, knew what they wanted to do, equine practitioner, food animal, small animal. And it wasn't until their fourth year that they started looking at the job opportunities in the areas where they wanted to be. I can think of an equine practitioner specifically, and she was dead set on going into equine practice, but the type of practice she wanted to go into was going to require an internship. When she started crunching the numbers on her debt load and starting salaries for an equine intern, she realized she just couldn't make it work. The problem with this was she waited until fourth year. So now here she is. All of her experience, her resume, her cover letter, her externships, her volunteer experience have all geared her toward being an equine practitioner. And now she's having to pursue small animal positions, and so she's throwing this resume up against students who have really groomed themselves to be attractive in a small animal practice. Fortunately for her, she was able to find a mixed animal practice and things worked out, but it did derail her for a short period of time because she didn't have those realistic expectations from the get-go. When I talk about realistic expectations in the job market, we really have to understand supply and demand. There's been a lot of talk recently about whether we have an excess capacity or an oversupply of veterinarians. 
the word oversupply is thrown around a fair bit, meaning that we have more veterinarians than we have a need for. The AVMA has done a great survey and study here recently where they finally dispute that myth. And what they say is there's not really an oversupply of veterinarians, but there's excess capacity. And what that means is pet owners or producers, depending on what you're going into, have a certain demand for our services, i.e. they're willing to pay X amount for certain services. Excess capacity means that right now we have more veterinarians than the demand warrants. The plus side of this survey was that the need is there for more veterinarians. So while we have about a 12.5% excess capacity of veterinarians, the need, i.e., whether it be on the food animal side or small animal side, the need is there for more veterinarians. What that means is this is not a dismal situation, but it does mean that as a new graduate, just going into a, a practice and expecting to be handed a full caseload is not realistic. One of your jobs is getting out there and helping bridge the gap between the needs, i.e. what the animals need, and what the clients are willing to spend, i.e. the demand. Salaries reflect what I just mentioned. If you look from roughly 2008 to probably 2012, 2013, salaries declined slightly across almost all sectors. Finally, in 2014, we saw an uptick in salaries. 2015 data has not been released yet, but I expect another small uptick again. The reason it's important to understand salaries is because if you have $162,000 worth of student debt, which is the national average, you need to know what your debt payment is going to look like because that may dictate whether you go take an internship for $29,000 a year or you go work in food animal practice, which statistically pays the highest, at roughly $74,000 or $75,000 a year. Granted, none of us got into this industry to make money, but at the end of the day, we have to be able to service our debt. We have to be able to provide for a family if that's relevant to your situation. And so it is important to understand what your earning potential is going to be. Other things to think about realistic job search expectations. We've talked about different avenues in vet med. We've talked about the supply and demand. We've discussed salaries and debt load. The next thing to think about is desired work-life balance. We are seeing more and more associates want part-time work. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. But I still hear some new graduates that want a full-time salary for part-time work. And if you do the math as a practice owner, that just doesn't work. If you want more of a work-life balance, Make sure you calculate the hours you're going to be working and how that's going to reflect to a salary. Another piece of advice is my dad's a veterinarian, and he's been practicing now for 25 or 30 years. And when he got out, it was pretty much accepted that as a veterinarian, you're going to go work 100 hours a week. And we've all seen the impact of that. Divorce rates pretty high in veterinary medicine. Suicides plague this profession. Drug and alcohol abuse. There's been a lot more emphasis recently on the work-life balance. But what we are noticing as hiring parties is that the pendulum has almost swung too far, where now people don't want to work full-time schedules. They're not willing to work after-hour emergencies. At the end of the day, work-life balance is an individual's decision, but I encourage you as a new graduate to be realistic and realize that when we're first out of school, sometimes we have to make some compromises and really prove ourselves in the practice before we can start asking for those better schedules. Equipment and support staff are another important thing to think about. No matter where you graduate from school, you're pretty much practicing in an ivory tower. And while private practices strive to practice the best medicine they can, a lot of times they don't have the resources to have all the equipment you had at school or all the support staff. We really have two options at that point. Either A, you cannot accept a job at a practice. 
that is not up to what you consider par, or B, the more proactive approach and the way to really pitch yourself as a hiree is to say, you know what, if the support staff isn't quite as well trained as I want, I'll take it upon myself, I'll take the initiative to get into practice and hold the lunch and learns, or talk to the technicians about uh, the value of dentistry, or show them some of the technical procedures. I realize you are not a technician, and I'm not trying to advocate you become one, but if it means spending a little bit more time to improve your support staff and raise their level of medicine, at the end of the day, that's going to benefit you as well. Once you have a vision for what you want, so once you take into account all the things we just talked about, it's time to start researching your options. There's some great resources out there for that. I recommend two things. One is do externships or preceptorships, depending on where you go to school, as often as possible. And I know that is very much set based on where you go to school. I don't care how great a practice looks on the website in terms of how they fit your job expectations. Any of us can look good online or sound good over a phone conversation. But until we get into a practice for, you know, last resort, a couple-day working interview, or better yet, an externship or preceptorship, we don't really know what that practice is all about. Another way to try to achieve that same end is through networking. The vast majority of jobs in veterinary medicine are never posted anywhere. And if they are posted, they're still usually filled because someone knew someone else. If you don't have the time that you want to go on site, which is still, I would never take a job without going on site, but if you don't have quite the time to do the due diligence you want, I'd encourage you to use your network, whether it's the one you cultivate at school, through speakers that come on, through conferences, through drug and food reps. Use people you know and who you trust to give you some inside information on different opportunities. The job search process is another segment of this where I see expectations not always mesh with reality. I have a, a great mentor of mine who, when he graduated from school, he had something like 24 interviews and 17 job offers. Basically, if you graduated with a DVM, people were so desperate for veterinarians, they were throwing job offers at you. In today's world, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but for the average new graduate, we have to be proactive about finding those jobs. So use career centers, the AVMA, AHA, AEBP, AEP, a lot of the state VMAs have job centers, schools have some job posting. I talked about networking through conferences, clinicians, speakers, all those are invaluable resources. Social media, we're seeing really gain value in terms of networking, finding jobs, LinkedIn specifically. And then, of course, we can always fall back on the more cold strategies, which is where you say, I want to live in Denver, Colorado. Don't say that because it's extremely saturated, but I want to live in Denver, Colorado, and I'm going to start just Googling hospitals in the area and making phone calls or sending out resumes. Five years ago, that used to be very effective because no one was doing it. With the job market being a little bit tighter now, we are seeing more people do it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't work because it still does, but it's that much more important for you to be a standout applicant. In terms of when to expect results from this whole job search process, realize that a lot of practice owners have 30, 40 resumes depending on where you want to look, and so you don't expect something back the next day or the next week. If I haven't heard something back within a week or two of submitting an application, I would follow up, preferably with a phone call unless the job ad specifically says no calls accepted, but I do think it's appropriate to follow up if you haven't heard anything. We're going to have a podcast where we talk specifically about the interview process, I'll go into more detail on that about what to expect there. As you digest all this information, the importance of setting realistic expectations, really figuring out where you want to land in veterinary medicine, thinking about your salaries, your debt load, your work-life balance, your equipment, your support staff, having a realistic vision of how you're going to go about finding that job, 
and then realizing that once you have that job identified, that's really when the work begins with that whole interview process. Doing all that beforehand will set us up for success. Don't make the mistake of looking for the perfect job. None of us, not you, not me, not a practice is absolutely perfect. And the key is figuring out what is non-negotiable for us and what things are willing to compromise on. And if we do that ahead of time, if we do our due diligence, we will better manage our job search expectations and increase the odds of finding the right fit. Thank you for listening to the podcast today as we discuss the importance of setting realistic job search expectations. Please join us on the next podcast as we delve a little bit deeper and talk about how to land that right job.